This is the Let's Talk About Autism in Monglish podcast. On today's episode, I will be catching up with an old high school friend who recently sought advice and guidance during her family's journey seeking ABA services. To hear my friend share so honestly and eloquently about her experience, it makes me so proud to know her and to have her on my podcast, sharing their story so that others can benefit from knowing they're not alone while on their own journey. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. All my guests are special, but this one is so near and dear to my heart. When I started the group uh, about two years ago, I ran across a familiar face and I thought, no, that couldn't be my friend Mal from high school. I hadn't seen her in like 20 years. And sure enough, it was my friend Mal from high school. And she was in a group to gain more information Um, to help her son. And I was more than happy to share and help. And after kind of guiding and just providing what resources we could over these last two years, I was especially, I am especially honored to have her on the podcast today to share more about her experience in um, guiding her son's diagnosis and also seeking ABA services. So Mal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tia. Thank you for having me. Um, if anything, I'm the one who's honored. I'm, I'm happy that you reached out to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy and willing to share my perspective and our journey. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad we reconnected. It's been so long. <laughs> I know. If I may say so, I, I feel like this just kind of shows like the prevalence of the autism diagnosis, right? We know right now mm-hmm. that CDC numbers is one in 39. So it's very mm-hmm. common that you'll, you'll, someone you know, it's not even someone you know who might know someone, it's someone you know that would have a child who is diagnosed. And so it's just, um, it was a, a very uh, eye opening experience for me to be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's my friend. And then also um, shortly after that, realizing that it also affects like family members, you know, even closer, right? Like cousins. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is just kind of a notice for all of us that, you know, t- it, you can't just simply ignore it because you don't think that it will happen to you. You don't want close to you because it will, it could, right? Um, and so sure. thank you so much for just being so willing to share. And um, I, I know when we first met, you definitely had some questions about ABA and we were able to kind of chat with you and just let you know, I mean, you know, because we are BCBAs, we were giving you that perspective, right? Because um, you were coming to us as a mom and, um, and then we heard from you later and I was just so excited to hear that you kind of did your homework. You went out, you, you came to us, got some information, did your homework, and then we're moving forward with getting ABA services. And I think even within our group, there is a lot of hesitance from, uh, you know, hesitation from parents and who mm-hmm. are like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what ABA is. I've heard not so great things about ABA. And so um, I just appreciate you kind of sharing all the good things that you have seen and witnessed through ABA. And um, so to get started, of course, I want to know about your son. So will you please share with me a little bit more about him, you know, his age, his interests, um, also therapy, school placement, just everything that you would like to share about him. Sure. 
Um, so I only have one child. Um, my son is Evan. He's four years old. Um, and he was diagnosed around, um, well, we suspected it so much earlier, but he wasn't diagnosed until, I, I want to say, around two. Um, but his interests are, um, he's a funny kid, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these autistic kids, they stem, and his form of stemming is singing. Aww. So of all the forms that he can have, I'm, yeah. like, I'm glad that it's singing because he loves to sing. He sings first thing in the morning, last thing at night, all day oh. long, every day. So <laughs> yeah. he sings, and I love hearing him sing. Um, and he's such a fast learner. Like he can pick up on songs quickly, memorize the mm-hmm. lyrics and then the tune and everything and just learn yeah. stuff. He loves music, loves to sing. Um, he loves water, you know, so the beaches and swimming pools, anything like that. Um, fascinated with just water, just going to the bathroom, turning on the faucet, <laughs> like he can really get lost in, in just the water fountains, right? The faucet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he loves water. Um, he also likes reading, right? Um, he learned how to read at a very young age. Um, right around, I, I would say, right when he was three, he started to read. Um, and he loves numbers. Unlike his mom, who hates numbers and math, <laughs> my yeah. kid has a knack for numbers, and numbers just make sense to him. Yeah, so, um, he's he's really uh, good at at numbers. Um, as far as services goes, um, we we started out with occupational therapy and mm-hmm. speech therapy, but um, we had to put those on hold um, due to work schedules and. Um, other conflicts, right? <laughs> other conflicts that we ran into, um, but for now, um, he is—he's receiving ABA services, um, and we're very satisfied with that. I and I think because of the services that ABA has been providing, um, we felt that not to say that occupational therapy and speech aren't important—they they definitely are. Mm-hmm. But I'll talk about this a little bit more too. Like ABA sure. has been able to fill in some of those. Um, those mm-hmm. uh, needs for him at the clinic, so we felt ABA was um, was sufficient. Um, so right now, only ABA and his RBT is going to school with him. So we enrolled him in a private pre K program, mm-hmm. um, and we went the private school route because you know public schools they don't allow for outside resources to come in and right. support my son. So we went the private school route. So. From Monday through Thursday, his RBT is there um, at school with him, providing services. And then on Fridays, he goes back to the ABA clinic, um, regular hours, just 8 to 2. Okay. that's where we're at with him. Yeah. And I know you had shared a little bit about the placement, right, with him going to a private pre-K. That way that your RBT could go with him. And, you Mm -hmm. know, that's something that a lot of parents do make that decision, you know, Um, maybe he needs that level of support for now, but it's not forever. So I'm really proud of you for being like, what do we need? How do we make it happen? Right. It's not (laughs) conventional, but it works for us. It's what we need. Right. And, and, you know, we're we're very thankful for the school, too. Right. Because not all private pre-K programs will welcome a a third uh, an outside resource to come Mm -hmm. in to support them. But this school is actually um, they've been great. Like. The director has a special needs child, so she understands and she's okay. she's very welcoming. And and then I just found out that 
um, last week before school started, um, the school invited our clinic, like the ABA clinic, to go oh, and yeah. do like um, a workshop for the staff oh, because they want to be inclusive and they want to raise awareness. And I'll be honest with you, like that touched my heart. I wanted to cry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I emailed the director and I was just like, thank oh. you so much for, you know, for doing this because my mm -hmm. son is going to be there and I want you know, the staff to be aware of, you know, who he is and his condition. So, yeah, no, yeah. that's great. I mean, it just amplifies that whole idea that it takes a village, right? Like you can't oh, yeah. be the mom going in there and be like, my son, my son, my son. And then the school's like, okay, but then there are other kiddos, right? But when they're right. able to open that up and train the whole staff for other families too, that's great. That's what we want to see, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So you were saying um, you noticed about around two years old or even younger because he was diagnosed at two, but you noticed right. even earlier, earlier than that, that he was showing uh, characteristics of autism. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, Tia. Um, I know. And thinking back, right? Um, but I want to say we really started noticing when my son was even before he turned, he was like one and a half, right? Okay. Because he he wasn't making eye contact with us. He wasn't really responding to his name. And um, I think just little characteristics or little um, gestures that we were uh, expecting for him to do, like just waving, something as simple as mm -hmm. that he wasn't doing. And um, I have a niece and a nephew who are right around four to six months younger than him. And they were meeting those milestones, right? Right. So we, um, we saw some, those were some of the common red flags, you know, lack right. of a better word, some of the characteristics that we saw, mm -hmm. right? Um, I started noticing that. And so I told my husband about it and I said, hey, you know what? I, I, at this time, I wasn't even sure what autism was, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? He's not doing some of the things that, you know, his cousins are doing. Right. And I don't think that's normal, right? Um, so we just kind of, I started observing um, a little bit more, um, talked to my sisters about it, my brother about it. Um, and then eventually we're like, you know what? I, I was like, you know what? Let me go look this up. Like, you know what? How come my son's not responding to his name? He's not mm -hmm. making eye contact. So autism came up in, yeah. the, in Google, right? Like I, I Googled yeah. it and it came up and I was like, okay, well, there's a whole list of red flags and things to look mm -hmm. for, things to check off. Right. So lack of response, check, you know, lack of eye contact, check. Um, he wasn't reciprocating emotions. Like if mm -hmm. I would smile at him, you know, babies at that age, right. you're upset. They either cry. Right. Right. Um, whatever facial expressions that you make, they kind of mimic it and reciprocate the same um, waving, tiptoeing, you know, being drawn to certain items. And my, my son at the time, Evan loved like linear items, like linear toys, like a mm -hmm. drumstick. Mm -hmm. right or a pencil or markers like they were just anything linear he was mm -hmm. drawn to it and he would hold it and hold it and carry it everywhere he went um so um those were some of the things and another thing was the high high pain tolerance no awareness okay. for dangers but yeah. those two were like the most curious thing for me right i was like i don't think it's normal for a baby to roll off the bed hit his head and mm -hmm. not cry at mm -hmm. all Right. Or yeah. be at my sister's house and he slipped and, and, you know, hit his head on the floor because he was running and he did not cry at all. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's normal. And so in checking it off, you know, a lot of, a lot, some of the things were, you know, those items. So I was like, 
you know, three out of 10, 20 characteristic, you know, maybe he's just, you know, being himself, being a toddler. Right. But when you have a whole list, right, where your, your child checks off on it, mm-hmm. then it's concerning. Yeah, it's concerning. Sure. And then you, you start comparing um, your child to other kids and then you start to realize, you know what? I think he might be autistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard because like you said, some of those things are kind of age appropriate, right? Developmentally, you know, Mm -hmm. some kiddos do do that. And then the question is, when is it autism? And when is it just what infants or toddlers do? You know, like eventually they should grow out of it. It's, it's when they don't grow out of it, that can be cause for concern. So yeah. And, you know, I, I give praise to you for being such a great mama and noticing and being, Oh, hold (laughs) on, what's going on. And, And he's your first child, right? And, yeah. you know, we see that a lot with um, firstborns, right? The parents are like, this is my first child. I just thought this was how it goes, you know? And then just like you said, to see your nieces and nephews who are close in age and be like, oh, wait, hold on. How come they're surpassing his current skill level, right? Right. And being able to kind of, you don't compare, but you do look at the skill set and be like, wait, they can do this. And he's not quite there yet. But then right. you have to kind of go, wait, is it because, you know, like, like for my son, he didn't walk until he was like, uh, gosh, 14 months. And then I compared to like my older two. I'm like, she was walking at nine and he was at 10. You know, yeah. you compare. You can't help but to compare, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And it's, an, it, it's like the little things that he should, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. around babies enough, you should, like he should know how to weigh that. Right? right, but my son did not learn how to wave until after he got into ABA. Okay, um, they taught him how to learn. Yeah. I can't even take credit for that, right? They taught yeah. him to learn, to learn how to wave, and so um, it's like the most simple things like that. But in other areas, like where before, like he turned one, he was so advanced with like his vocabulary, and that mm-hmm. was out of the ordinary, also. Right, right? versus uh, my nieces and nephews were just. Uh, spitting out gibberish at the time mm-hmm. like they weren't speaking clearly enough and here's evan like he's got a whole list of vocabulary and i'm yeah. like i don't think it's normal and you know that that's something that you know in my research i found also that the spectrum is so broad that people yes. on the high functioning on the high end they're really fast at certain things right they're really gifted in certain areas so um that was you know although it was a good thing at the time it was also a red flag for me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, circling back to what you had said, um, you know, with your background as a lawyer, you're used to doing research, right? Like, you know, like getting all the information before in, before you look at the big picture. Um, and so can you share with me, like, what was your initial understanding of autism and what that would entail for your child and his future? And also you said you went to Google, never go to Dr. Google. It's like the scariest place. <laughs> So you cheap on and you type in stuff and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of that, you know, for myself. I'm like, cough, rash, something. And I'm like, oh no, what? Okay. You know, what what do you mean? And the doctor just laughs and they're like, it's a cold, you're fine, you know. So yeah, so that must have been really like um, gosh, just shocking or kind of like rattling for you to go, oh wait. But then it helped you connect the dots as well. It, it did. It did. Well, to be honest with you, it was really heartbreaking. Yeah. As I think most parents would share that sentiment with me. Like, I think it's very heartbreaking when you realize it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, back to your question, um, I had, girl, I was completely ignorant. Like, <laughs> I, 
I knew nothing about yeah. autism. For one, because I didn't know anyone with autism or anyone's right. kid. At the time, I knew I didn't know anyone's kid um, that has that that is autistic, right? Mm -hmm. So even the term itself. Mm -hmm. I had heard it only a handful of times. Okay. Right? And and at that time, because it didn't affect me or my right. family member, I didn't feel the need to go and research it, right? Or to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's just me being completely ignorant um, and completely oblivious to, you know, what it really is. So, right. um, yeah, I had zero knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I had zero knowledge, but but as soon as, it impacted me, my family, then, um, yeah, I started doing a lot of researching, a lot of reading, a lot of comments, um, reading like people's blogs, <laughs> just trying to, I guess, identify with them or try to understand what it is, right? Um, so to be honest with you, it, it was very, it was very, um, it was very heartbreaking when I realized yeah. that it is autism. And, and, you know, now that I've accepted it, um, I can honestly say that I no longer am heartbroken about it. I'm not sad about it, but I would be lying if I, I'd say that I, I'm still, like every now and then when you realize your child's future may not be what you had anticipated it to be or hoped for it yes. to be, right? Um, you kind of go through a grieving process all over again. Yes, there is a grieving process. So there's if there's that loss for um for what you had anticipated, right? And and I went through that. Yeah, um, I went through that for a good two weeks. <laughs> yeah, my grieving process was probably two weeks. As soon as I realized it, I was like so heartbroken, you know. And that and that's all just you know you being a parent being selfish. But after that, then you know you have to shift gears because you're like, okay, so now you know mama bear time. What am I going to mm -hmm. do? What do how do I get the help that I need? my son like who do I go to who do I turn to like what types of therapy or services does he need right so um from at the time because we didn't have any, a diagnosis yet I had no idea what our future was going to be like um I really didn't know where to start other than the directions that the uh, pediatrician had given us and that was just a referral to the county health department where yes. they have like the um yeah the county contact us and we actually got that diagnosis through them and so they offered um, occupational therapy and speech therapy um so those are the two items that we started out with but you know at the time i didn't know that my future or my child's future was would entail a bunch of therapies i, I did not i did not anticipate for that at all and um it, it's hard it's a hard journey yeah. but um for my child you know, you have you have to suck it up and say, "I've got to, got to take him." <laughs> right. Um, do you mind if I ask you how old you were when you had him? Yeah. So I, I thought about that too, Tia. But you know, like um, we started very late in life. Um, I had him when I was thirty-six. So when you you were thirty-eight when he got the diagnosis, or when you started like right. seeing the signs and then doing your research. Mm -hmm. So for like, um, I, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, um any and, and you know i don't know that age 
can play a big factor because we have young women, females, right. you know, 18 year olds who have kiddos and mm-hmm. they can have autism, right? So please right. don't feel hard on yourself about that, right? Like that maternal age, like we don't know if that is a true factor, right? You think about it because right. it is a component of the overall picture. But um, I'm just thinking too, like, um, I, you're, you're, I, I admire you. I, I just, I feel so lucky to call you a friend. And I just think it's amazing. Uh, just to think back to like high school, right? Be like my friend, Mouse <laughs> lawyer. And um, just to be like, okay, but even with all that education, right. And all that experience, like um, to uh, that autism was on your radar, right? Like you didn't know At about all. it and didn't, didn't know what that entailed and everything. And then you have your child uh, in, you know, in your thirties and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm rediscovering this whole thing that I had no idea about. Like, did that feel mm-hmm. kind of like, just. It was overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It was overwhelming. It was a lot of emotions mixed in one, right? Number one, overwhelming. Number two, just um, the sheer, uh, lack of knowledge, like you felt so, I hate to say it, but I felt so stupid, so um, detached mm-hmm. from the world, right? Because uh-huh. this is something that is actually very common. Um, it was heartbreaking to accept. Um, it, it was a lot of emotions. Like I said, cried for two weeks. Like to me, like why me? And then yeah. a lot of like self-blaming, like you said, you know, like you go back to your pregnancy stages and you're like, gosh, like, oh my goodness. Like I had so much coffee, like before <laughs> I knew I was pregnant, you know, or right. like, I took so much Tylenol or darn, I had like a glass of wine and I shouldn't have. <laughs> You know, those type of those types of things come up and you're like, you know, Mm -hmm. what did I do wrong? And, and, you know, my husband and I, we talked about it, we're like, is it because we had him like late in in age because he was 38 and I was 36, you know, like you start to like try to figure it out. And then you learn through my research, right? There's, there's no uh, definite answer. Right. Right. It it could be genetics, right? There's, there's my talk talks about that could be genetics or Mm -hmm. it could just be um just random um but i have no idea so yeah a lot of emotions um yeah yeah they're still 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 to this day to be honest with you (laughs) yeah and and that's okay that's like you said it's the grieving process right what are they like five Mm -hmm. stages of it you know and like it doesn't it's not linear you go back and forth you know and it lingers it never I don't think it ever really goes away um but I'm just really proud of you for going okay what do we do next right and I think that kind of segues to my next question is like so you started OT speech but then you were like wait there's something else there's this thing called ABA and then when you did your research, what did you find and what um, what kind of questions did you have? Concerns, questions, what were your findings on this ABA therapy that was being put out there that, you know, um, if your child has autism, ABA therapy is a potential treatment or, you know, a form of treatment for them? Right. Um, so what, what sparked me to look is, um, was, you know, my son was receiving occupational therapy and speech therapy, right? So occupational therapy kind of hones in on his fine motor skills, right? Helping him to do things and do it, I guess, um, uh, appropriately, right? Yes. And then speech was helping him to 
you know, be able to help communicate or, you know, expand his vocabulary or expand his, um, you know, just, just his ability to communicate or ways, right? Discovering ways to communicate. And I'm like, but they're not really tackling like his behavior issues. Right. Um, Evan doesn't have a lot of behavior issues, but I'm like, but I told the, um, our occupational therapist at the time, I said, Hey, you know, like, um, I, I think it's great. You know, we're seeing progress. Um, we're seeing some progress with, you know, his fine motor skills, but when he can't do something like as something as simple as, um, putting beads, like putting beads on the shoelace or something like that, mm-hmm. he gives up on it. He just gives up on it. He throws a tab and he's like, I'm done. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, but you, you're sitting there and you're just saying, Hey, you know, like, um, just try again, try again. Like, so nothing was really addressing like his behaviors. And so I was like, why? Like, it's not enough. It's not enough. So I started looking, started Googling again, (laughs) (laughs) turned to to Google, started Googling. And then, um, there were a lot of articles out there about the repercussions of ABA and a lot of controversy over ABA, right? Because a lot of the adult um, autistic individuals said that it was actually harmful um, because it forced them to mask, um, I guess, some of their tendencies or the ways that they stem. Um, and that to them felt like they weren't being honest and true to themselves. And something as simple as making eye contact, right? Um, it, it, that was physically painful for some of mm-hmm. them. Yet they were forced to do that, right? And these are all from adults um, who were diagnosed, you know, either recently or um, years ago, but they went, they received ABA therapy. So there was a lot of negativity about ABA. And so I actually asked our um, county health, um, gosh, I can't remember, coordinator mm-hmm. about ABA. And I, I said, hey, you know, like, you know, you guys recommended occupational therapy and speech therapy. What about this thing called ABA? What is that? And she was like, oh, no, we, we, we don't offer that. And I was like, well, you know, why not? Um, because there's a lot of information out there. And she was like, well, it's just so rigorous that we don't we don't recommend it for kids, you know, um, this young. And I was like, hmm, let me do a little bit more digging. So um, I got into a couple of platforms on Facebook, right, to parent support groups, um, started asking questions or started reading comments, right? And a lot of, you know, a lot of the negativity uh, came from young adults who were diagnosed um, maybe 10, 20 years ago, right? And they were the ones that came out and said, you know, ABA was harmful. They didn't like it. But parents like myself came on there with little kids and they would, mm-hmm. um, they would challenge that, right? Um, they would say, hey, you know, I know you say it's harmful, but my child has been in ABA and we've seen so much improvement. Um, it's working for my kid. He's doing, you know, X, Y, Z. He's manning. He's communicating. He's able to do this. Like his te- te- uh, temper tantrums have decreased. Um, we've seen so much improvement. So I'm like, okay, so that's that's weird, right? You have adult autistics who are um, combating it, right? And then you have parents who are saying, who are all, who are, who are advocating for it. So I'm like, well, you know what? Where do I fall in line? I'm a parent. So if these parents are saying that um, it aligns, I mean, it works for them, then let me let me do a little bit more digging. So I did my I did I did some research, and um, apparently, 
you know, 20, 30 years ago, ADA therapy um, was a little bit different from what it is today, right? Today, like for my son, I can only speak um, for my for my son's experience. He's in a clinic, but it's play-based, right? They let him play. They let him kind of run around and they take data, right, on, um, on his behavior, on issues, on his goals, you know, stuff like that. So it's so much different from, you know, back then to compared to now. And, you know, that has a lot to do with like just in the field, right? There's more understanding of autism and then the advancement of science, right? Just collecting data, um, you know, what is it? What are we really looking at here? So I, I think that that to me um, kind of expels um, the negative uh, feedback from the adult autistics, I guess I would say. Because if it's working for some of the parents and they're seeing uh, progress in their child, to me, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and put my child in here too. But um, I still wasn't sure. And I needed, like, I didn't know anybody, right? I didn't know anybody in the field. I didn't know anybody who had kids who received, um, you know, ABA therapy. So um, that's when I had seen a post on Facebook and they redirected, they directed that person to Othal. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out this work, this page. And luckily enough, I found you guys. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know, um, just did more research as, as, you know, we started talking more about ABA therapy. And, um, I found comfort in knowing the type of services that they would provide for my son. So we tried it out and uh, true to its words, you know, true to the parents that I talked to. Um, uh, it's been ex- extremely helpful for my kid. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, like the science itself. It's, and that's science. It's ever evolving, right? It can't just be the same thing. So yeah. What was your approach to selecting your ABA provider at that point? So um, I'll be honest to say that you guys, you know, uh, the feedback that I got from you guys, uh, you guys did answer a lot of my questions and I was very thankful that the feedback that you guys gave me was extremely helpful when we started um, searching and calling around for clinics and stuff. And one of them was just like insurance coverage, like, hey, are you guys in network? Like, I didn't even think about that. And I remember (laughs) the it was like, hey, call your insurance company and, you know, ask them, you know, like, um, what types of coverage? And and I did that. You know, I called and luckily we were very fortunate to um, have extremely, like, really, really good. We were very blessed with really good insurance uh, coverage because they covered 100% of the ADA services, 100%, no deductible, no copay whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, okay, that's good. Now I just need to find a, a place, right? So there were a couple around here. Um, some of them we could not because they were kind of out of the way for us. And then the one that um, you know I talked to you guys about, um, I was like, hey, you know what? Let's take a look at this this, this clinic with me. You know, um, give me your thoughts. And and you guys took a look at it. You know, we read um, some of the reviews and. And I'll be honest to say that the reviews were weren't the best, right? But what helped me pick that clinic was, like I said, um, you know, Tia, to be honest with you, in this whole process, in this whole journey, I have learned to open up to complete strangers. Yeah. Like, you got people like, who did you follow? I'll just mm-hmm. message them, like on yeah. Facebook, right? You go into these um, Facebook um, parent support groups and you start asking questions because, um, you need some sort of guidance, right? 
So yeah. I just posted. I posted out there and I said, hey, um, new to this, child, you know, recently diagnosed, looking for ABA services. What are your thoughts on this clinic? And we got a lot of feedback. A lot of people actually responded to that post. Um, but the, the there were a couple of parents who actually reached out to me personally, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically one parent told me, she was like, now do not be, um, I know it's a lot to take in right now, but don't be concerned because despite what everybody is saying about ABA therapy and about this location, I can honestly say that when ABA is done correctly, you will see. Right. You will see the impact and you will see progress. And she said that she saw that in her child, who was very similar to Evan at the time. So she she talked about her characteristics. So I was like, okay, that's one parent. And then another parent, uh, you know, contacted me and reached mm-hmm. out and said, hey, you know what? My child is here. And um, we've only had good experiences. So, um, you know, like you said, you know, like not everybody is going to have the same um, experience um, with the same. You can have the same BCBA, the same um, RBTs, but your experience, your child's experience is completely different, right? Oh, yeah. And that's another yeah. perspective that a parent gave me. Um, and so I had like um, maybe five parents reached out to me wow. saying, you know, we have good experiences here. Um, my child has been thriving. Um, give, it a, give it a try and you never know, right? One of the main concerns was um, the turnaround rate. Right. Yes. A lot of RBTs are great, but the company itself, they, you know, they have a lot of issues. A lot of people quit and, you know, they just quit and they jump around. Well, I did my research too. And it turns out that in this industry, that's yeah. kind of what people do, right? Just like <laughs> any other industry, right? Number one, people are going to go where the money is. Yeah. So if your, if your clinic doesn't pay well, and then one next door pays a little bit more, right? The RBTs mm-hmm. or even DCBAs, they're going to jump. Right. Or if the um, environment um, doesn't mesh well with you, you're going to jump. Right. So it's kind of a, a it's a revolving door everywhere. Right. And when you, you when you've been in corporate America for some time, you start seeing that not, you know, attrition is just um, inevitable, to be honest. Yeah. So um, we I actually toured. I called the clinic. I toured the clinic. And that's something that you guys suggested, which I mm-hmm. really appreciate because I didn't, I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, I called and I was like, "Hey, you know, like, um, I'm really interested. Can I, you know, come and see?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we offer that." So I went in with my whole list of questions, like ten million <laughs> questions. Met with the director, saw the facility, really liked it. They actually have two sets of facilities, right? Um, so one for like, as one for um the younger kids or um kids who are on the lower end of the spectrum and then you have those and then you have another uh, building where it's basically a prep course and that prep class is to help prepare kids to go to school whether that be pre-k or kindergarten i saw both of them and i was like oh this is really neat Mm -hmm. you know like they can my my child can start here and then eventually shift here and then Mm -hmm. they're going to help them so um i thought that was really neat um that they provided that program the prep course um so the feedback from the parents, um, my tour with the uh, my tour um, at the clinic itself, talking to the director, um, and then them being in network, and then what topped it off was um, the location, right? Location for me, basically, literally around the corner from me, five minute drive, and then it's less than 
10 minutes from my office location. Yeah, nice. So location was also a thing. But um, the one thing that really made me feel comfortable, and I don't know why, mm-hmm. um, a lady came out and she talked to me. Mind you, this is like, COVID, right? This mm-hmm. is during COVID. Everybody's still masked up. And, you know, she came out. I'm like, okay, well, you know, she's short too. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I couldn't tell if, I couldn't tell her ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Talking back and forth. She gave me so much information. And then she goes, oh, well, you know, let me give you my card. She gives me her card and she's Hmong. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, it gave me comfort in just oh. knowing that. You know, this place is diverse. And I, I, I met I met some of the staff members also. And, you know, they it, it was a diverse group, right? It was a diver, diverse group of people that I talked to. Um, and that, as a minority, that makes me feel um, good, right? Yeah. Um, it, it makes me feel comfortable. And I'm like, oh, yes. oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> and she gave me the card. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's young, right? She's about our age. And I was like, that's great. You know, like, I did not know that there were Hmong um, adults or young adults that work in the field also. Yeah. So, um, she was like, yeah, Yoma, you know, about, like, I think a year or so when mm-hmm. she said that. And so um, when I told my husband about it, she, he said the same thing, you know, like, um, it's a little bit comforting to know that there's a Hmong person that works there. Yeah. So, um, that that's how we made our decision. Like okay. that Hmong person at the end just really sealed the deal for us. <laughs> Workplaces now really emphasize that, and to see that at your child's clinic, um, just how diverse it really is. The clinic is actually very diverse, like staff members and even like the the little kiddos. Um, might at the clinic, it's extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm really happy that you know I'm really happy with this clinic, like how inclusive yeah. they really are. You were able to find that um, group and that uh, families, five families or five parents were able willing yeah. to reach out and just say, hey, this was our experience. It was good. And I think that's really important. And I think that's that was something that we recommended, too. We were like, um, OK, yeah, so you, you, live, you live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, area. Let's just Google Charlotte, North Carolina autism <laughs> mom groups. And we found a few. Right. And so, yeah, again, the power of Google. <laughs> it can, oh, it yeah. can no, help you I or mean- scare you. <laughs> Yeah, that that was so helpful because as I I didn't know right I didn't think to look for a local support mm-hmm. group on Facebook I was like at the state level and I was at the you know a, a broader level right like yeah. this was international and so when you guys were like hey let's Google it, let's find it those parents were actually in the local ones and they're actually yeah. around here yes. you know so. Um, it was extremely helpful because then they knew the different clinics around here. And they mm-hmm. were, some of them had hop around, right? right some of right. them, I think one, one mom was like, I hopped around. And, you know, on, to be honest with you, this one's been the best one for us. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be lying if I, if, I, if I said, oh, there was no turnover. There was, right? Mm-hmm. We, we did experience that also. But my take on with ABA and the RBT's turnover or the BCBA's turnover is, you know, just like any other employee, right? They're looking for advancement, right? They're looking for growth. And if one company isn't giving them that, I'm not going to hold it against them if they jump somewhere else. And for me, was like, you know, what, whoever that God places in my child's life, there's a reason for it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if this person has has spent his or her time with my son, that was all the time that God had anticipated for my child, and he or she did what he could at that time. So now that person is moving on, and my child's going to be with someone else. That has always been my approach, and so all the RBTs I've been—I have to say, one word—we've been extremely lucky to have some very genuine, genuine, very caring RBTs and BCBAs that have come through. Um, every single one of them um, I have a good relationship with and, and I'm one of those moms that you know will stay behind and talk to them and like hey mm-hmm. um, you know what happened or and they'll give me like a whole you know a summary of what you did what happened and stuff like that so um, despite the turnovers um, we had great we only had great like RBTs and BCBAs and um, I still keep in touch with some of them you know, I, I, yeah. I, I tell them all like before they leave. I'm like, before you're gonna leave, I know you're not supposed to tell me, but please just let me know. Like, you're gonna leave, just let me know because, um, you know, I just want to thank you. And, oh, and you're I, so sweet. I, I, know. <laughs> I usually give them a card and you know, a yeah. just to buy a gift and keep in touch with them. And, um, and I, I always say, hey, can I get a picture with you and my son? Because mm-hmm. I have a book, I have a scrapbook yeah. of pictures and names of all the people that have come with his life, right? Yeah. So um, I always do that with him. Like I said, the turnover is, is there, but it's it's how you perceive it, right? It's all perspective. Right. And also to hopefully um, give you some comfort, although turnover happens you do go through rbts and sometimes bcbas the one thing that will always stay the same is their treatment plan right like that doesn't change right because what's going to happen is the next person comes in they're gonna run the programs they take up right maybe not exactly but it's written the same way and so that bcba Mm -hmm. will guide them in that same way right so that's uh you know hopefully comforting to know that while turnover law you know like the science is still there right and there's always quality control so always someone checking on you know are you running it are we making progress and then someone checking on the bca right. as well so that component is still there oh that's so you're you're such a nice mom <laughs> a mom parent <laughs> um so he's been in ABA for how many over a year now yeah a little bit over mm-hmm. a year okay yep, um yeah, and you guys said that, and you you've been with one clinic, and like you said, the three, yeah, three few RBTs, BCBAs. But now that he's been in for over a year, can you share with me, like, what are some interesting or surprising things that you learned about ABA that you would like to share with other parents? Maybe things, maybe you went in kind of unsure, and then you like it dismantled what you thought what ABA was all about, or it solidified mm-hmm. what you thought ABA was about. Like, just try to get an insight to the parent perspective yeah so um you know every autistic child is different everyone's yes. experience is different so i can only speak about the experiences that we've had and the growth and the progress that we've had that we've seen with my son right um i just want to make that clear yes <laughs> because i don't you know i don't want to set expectations for everyone be like oh well mal said that this happened for them but you know right. for her, <laughs> son, but it didn't happen for my son mm-hmm. you know every child is different we all know that but um when i when we started with ABA, um, the first one of the first questions that they asked me, or I wouldn't say first, but one of the first few questions that they asked were, um, "What are your long-term goals for your mm-hmm. child?" Yeah. Right? And as a parent, I 
my long-term goal is, and I tell them this, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be here to advocate for him, to, um, you know, to help him through life. One day, I'm not going to be here anymore, right? Whether that be when I'm in my 40s, 50s, 60s, or when I'm 90, you know, like at the end of the day, I told them, you know, I just want my son to be a decent, right, independent, self-sufficient, right, contributing individual to society. That's my long-term goal for my son. What does that mean? That means my son needs to um, be able to go through the educational system, get a job, find work, maintain maintain a job, right, in a career that he enjoys doing, right, and start a family. So that that's my long-term goal. And I remember the um, VCBA at the time, she was like, that's a lot now. I said, yeah, it is. And she goes, you know what? That's great. Let's get to work then. Yeah. And I was like, he's only four. And you're asking me for, I mean, he's only, he's only two at the time. Right? Yeah. He's only two at the time. Um, she, and I'm like, he's only two at the time. And you asked me for like my long-term goals. And yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like, this is what I want for him. Like when he's my age now, you know, mm-hmm. like, so you are telling me let's get started. How do we even do that? <laughs> she was like, very simple, you know, very, very, very simple. We're going to start with, you know, like what are the challenges that he has? Like, what are some things that you want to work through? So we go through this whole list and, um, you know, I'm like, wow. I give them a list of, you know, his challenges and mm-hmm. what are my goals are and what some of the goals are. And then they give me, you know, like, here's the feedback. Like, let's set these goals, right? And that's when I learned um, that ABA is, is data-driven, right? Yes. Um, so that's, what, that's one of the most interesting things about ABA that, I really enjoy seeing the progress reports. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do the same, but like during our meetings, my meetings with the BCBA, she'll actually pull up the report. And yeah. she, you see this chart, like it just looks like yeah. exactly and stuff like that. And she can actually like pinpoint um, mm-hmm. a day, a time yeah. when he had like a behavioral issue mm-hmm. or when he had a tantrum. Like to me, that was extremely um, interesting. And at the same time, to see something that concrete. Mm-hmm. Is reassuring, right? Um, because it basically shows your child's progression. Like you fall hit there. Oh no, no, no! You don't need to Like for whatever reason, he had a melt meltdown. You know. Mm-hmm. But then look, a couple of days later, mm-hmm. like what they 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 saw that that was an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Addressed it and either change the plans or talk it out, you know, like they'll say, Hey, you know what? That didn't really work. So for one, one of my things that we, one of the first goals was, you know, having my child eat a sandwich. Okay. Because I mean, your child, not sandwich at all. Like me and me, I'm almost like, you know, more JJ with guy, right? And, uh-huh. and no meat, like that's what he likes. And that's what, because, you know, he's, he's, he's such a picky eater. So okay. one of my things with him was, you know, he's going to go to school eventually. Like, it would make my life so much easier if he would just eat a darn sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they actually, like, started working on him with that. Okay. And let me tell you, this kid will cry. Bloody oh. murder. Whenever <laughs> we present a sandwich to him. This is you got. No, at all, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why either, because he's a carnivore. But that's a whole, <laughs> whole different topic. So one of the goals was to have him to start you know trying it right and so um they started taking data on it and they were like oh you know like 
just presenting itself, presenting it, just leaving it in, in his presence. He's okay with it. But the minute they told him to pick it up, like you can see the zigzag mm-hmm. the data going up and down. And I'm just like, what is going on? And they're like, we're just going to talk really, really slow. So we mm-hmm. had to like, you know, roll it back and um, kind of say, hey, you know, let's try this again. Let's just kind of leave it in this area for a couple of, and I'm telling you, a couple of weeks. Yeah to where he got comfortable and yeah. it took a couple of weeks for him to get comfortable. It took him a couple of weeks to um, be willing to touch it, like yeah. literally touch it, <laughs> um, eventually pick it up, like pick it up to play with it, eventually um, kiss it. And that's all the data that you're able to see to me. Right. Um, like I said, I, I just love that. I, I love that about ABA because you yeah. don't see that with occupational therapy or speech. Right. So that, that that's one thing that I love and that really surprised me, really interesting to me. Um, um, and the other things were, you know, just how effective ABA has been for my son. Right. Just following instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't we couldn't do that here at home with him, but he went to the clinic and for whatever reason, he's able to do it. Same thing with um, drinking something as simple as. You know, parents with uh, neurotypical children don't realize how easy they have it, you know? Something as simple as drinking from a straw, we struggle Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Um, And we, um, they had to implement a goal for that. Mm -hmm. Get him used to drinking out of a cup with a straw. Um, So just how, it's just been so effective for my son. Um, and you know that those are like two things, right? But mm-hmm. there's a host of items that you know we saw um, that helped my son. Yeah, no, I love hearing that. You know, during my parent meetings, I'm always like, "Look at this graph. It's high. It's slow. Don't worry about the low." You know, and something else that I talked about too is you know that behavior data. So if we see a high increase in data and then low percentages in performance, it's like, well, obviously, right? Like the correlation is they're having a lot of mm-hmm. behaviors. They're not going to work very hard for you. So parents get really discouraged, but they're like, "But let's look at the data." And like you said, you know, over a right. few days, you see it go back up. So they didn't lose that skill or they it wasn't that they weren't able to learn it they were having a lot of behaviors or we always track you know like were there any changes to routine were they sick were they not feeling good were they um taking new medicine right um, any introduction yeah. because consider all the different variables that could affect the data but you wouldn't have the data if they're not taking um that data collecting data right so it's very data driven yeah. um so yeah no I, I love to hear that you were really um happy with the data and uh, the yeah, I, guys, I really like yeah. enjoying, yeah. enjoying seeing it. I, I like watching it. I like like you know just them showing me, mm-hmm. um, narrowing it down to certain goals and just yeah. seeing like the progression. Um, like I said, something is so concrete that we can actually see and say, oh, okay, this this is where he is, you know. Right. Um, so I really enjoy that, and, and not only that, like for parents, now y'all like my our, our older parents, mm-hmm. like Bona, they think, oh. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, previously, no, the RBTs are taking da- uh, data. They're like mm-hmm. documenting every single yes. thing. And um, it's even hard for them to catch a break, right? Because right. You, know, you never know what these kiddos are going to do next, <laughs> but you have to document it. So, um, yeah. you know, I really like that. And I, I would just say to parents, you know, like if, you're, if your child is receiving ABA, um, 
you know, take time to, to listen and to watch, right? Because the feedback that I got from our BCBAs is parents really don't like looking at these progression data, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. So were you guys using an electronic data collection system? I think so. Yes. They, they have it okay. on a tablet. And then whenever okay. they show it to me, it's just, you know, um, okay. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, a, a bunch of graphs. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I'm not trying to promote any system. There's a lot of platforms out there. But one of the ones that I'm familiar with is Central Reach, which is amazing. It's come a long way. Um, but it's great for the parent component because I will give you a login. You can check in live oh. as therapy's happening and see like scores being put in and see the session rolling. And so that's a really oh. great platform. I didn't know if they were on that kind of a platform but not for, on that yeah because yeah. trust me i would be all over there <laughs> for a parent like you They're who's like yet. super invested yes. and wanted to like check in on your you your son while he's at session be like no 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 well you mm-hmm. know like did he let's say he has 20 goals he's only done five. Ooh, he's struggling today or he has 20 goals and right. he's done all 20 and you're only like 30 <laughs> minutes into the session he's on it right so you want to know how your child's doing um, and that's kind of mm-hmm. another beauty of science is that it's evolved over the years I come from the paper data collection era oh, wow. oh my gosh <laughs> yes I'm so glad that we've, um, as they feel, moved toward electronic data collection. It's great for, um, oh my gosh, time savings for sure, but also to show parents in the moment, like even at the end of the session, graph it and be like, hey, we had a rough session. Let me show you the numbers. Let me show you the graph, right? Or we had a great session. You know, we're above 80% today for all goals or whatever that is. So yeah, Yeah. I feel like we're just nerding out over data. Which I love. I like it though. Not, yeah, not all parents like feel the same way. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> I like it. I like seeing it. Um, you know, it's just for me, like I said, you should fall, you should fall, right? Right. You, you just think, okay, you know, how's my child doing? But mm-hmm. when they have data, data like that to show, yes. you're like, oh, okay. So there has been improvements, right? Right. Um, you know, another thing I want to say too, Tia, on this topic is um, how... ABA, ABA um, for us has been more uh, effective than speech and occupational therapy. And one of the reasons, aside from my schedule, one of the reasons why we kind of stopped with um, OT and speech is because we were realizing that ABA was also able to provide that, right? Because like I told you, a lot of his tantrums and behavior issues stemmed from his lack of communication, right? Mm-hmm. Inability to communicate effectively, to use functional language, to express himself and um, his um, difficulty just doing things like with, you, you, with his fine motor skills, right? And so our BCABA was able to write that into his goals, right? Yeah. And kind of write it such that it's a behavior issue because it really is. Um, something as simple as brushing his teeth, like he, 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 he will be like, I don't want to do it. Like, like mm-hmm. the taste of the toothpaste, he doesn't like it. So it becomes an issue. And so they're helping him do that you know, at the clinic. So we felt like ABA was sufficient. You know, ABA was sufficient for the past year. Um, so we decided to stop. We felt comfortable enough to stop occupational therapy and speech therapy because um, ABA was able to uh, provide support in those areas, like for communication-wise, right? Back and forth with you, you know, for him to carry on a conversation. We can't do that. But if I were to say, hey, Evan, um, you know, it's lunchtime. Do you want an apple or do you want um, a banana? He'll be able to say, I want a banana, right? Or if I say, hey, was that fun? He'll be able to say, that was that was very fun, right? Very basic things, but no back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, some of the things that they were able to incorporate and help my kid was, you know, all the kids, most of the kids that are at the clinic all have a speech impediment, but there's, there are a few who are very um, well-spoken too. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they, they paired my kid with somebody who's very, um, you know, who can communicate. Right. And, you know, sure enough, kids learn from each other, you know, yep. and he's able to pick up phrases and he knows how to talk to them. He's picked up, like, we've even seen, like, uh, improvements in his speech just by them setting up that goal and that time for him to sp- spend with a peer. So, you know, ABA is not just um, the, the they just don't tackle the, the behavior. Therapy. I think if you have a good enough BCBA and they really want to help you and they see, they can find ways. You know, oh yeah, they can find ways that can help your child, even if it's kind of tapping into OT or speech, right? Because at the end of the day, if there's behavioral issues resulting from something that he should be able to do, or his lack of communication, they can write that in. Um, yeah, and and that has been so helpful. That's why we felt comfortable just uh, you know um, him receiving only ABA therapy. Right. And like you said earlier, every client, every child with autism needs a like different prescription, right? Like more ABA, less of this or more of this and less of ABA. So whatever that means, you know, hopefully it's like a, you know, we can communicate that to the whole team and make sure that they're getting what they're needing. So I'm really happy to hear that you guys are able to figure that out early on. Like, you know, we can, um, and of course time too, right? It's a big time investment. So you're going, how do we make it all work? We have to do away with speech and OT focus on ABA but always know that it's always available right like if you needed that supplemental therapy later on so yeah yeah. and recognizing in your kiddo and also having a BCBA who also recognizes that and is willing to go okay here's what we're going to do to address that um and and then making those positive referrals if they're like oh this is outside the bounds of what we do right um let's get a speech path in here so yeah um, I think you mentioned, I, I don't know if this was an actual example, if this happened, um, did you said, ABA, they would just be like, oh, me, what she said, did that actually happen? Or did, or is that just a hypothetical yeah. situation? Yeah, no, 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 it, it actually happened. Cause like my, my mom asked about it, right. Uh-huh. We took, like she went with me to drop off my kid one day mm-hmm. and it, it, that's exactly what it is, right? Me and Yonka and like they come in with their RBT, RBTs and then they're just in the mornings, right? They're just running around. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, hey, the papa, the ma. You know, and I'm like, no, mom. It, it could, and I had to talk one night to my mom. I said, mom, go shy, go pong, and I need to do a tablet, and a new shy, and I will get a new golf, at least, you know, mm-hmm. she's taking data down. So she had a new. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, she's taking data, like things, things are happening and she's observing, right. right? She's observing, she's taking notes of what's going on. So um, she was like, but you're I said, no, it's, it's true. Uh, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. And my dad, my dad has dropped him off a couple of times for me um, when it conflicted with my work. Um, work schedule and you know he, he also said the same he goes hey yo pa hey look pa hey yo okay like oh she's a shot you know mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah but at the same time they're also working you know yeah it's not like that it's not the same thing <laughs> right so that's a perfect segue for my next question then uh, what has your experience been like with sharing uh, your son's diagnosis with your family? And um, <laughs> yes, let's just start there. <laughs> and then you said you, oh, you, you discussed goodness. it with your siblings, right? And they were all very supportive and understanding. Um, but then I, I think. Oh, that probably, came afterwards. 
<laughs> oh, oh, afterwards. That came okay. afterwards okay. because I think um, I noticed it first in my child, right? I brought it to my husband. He was in denial. And then when I started pointing out the differences mm-hmm. in, uh, between Evan and his cousins, mm-hmm. then my husband was like, oh, wait. You know, because for him, um, for him, he was always concerned and he was always making sure that Evan was making eye contact. Um, okay. So he was like, no, he does respond. I was like, no, there are other red flags. So I read through the whole list. And um, eventually when I got him on board, then I was like, okay, well, this is a concern. And I did. I told, you know, I have a lot of sisters. I have four sisters, mm-hmm. uh, two brothers. Um, so when I told him, even my brother, who's a doctor, mm-hmm. right? And my sister, who's a PA, um, they've been in the medical field for some years. And when I told everyone about it, everybody was in denial okay everyone was in denial it was extremely hard to just get everybody to see and a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know at that age um uh when we first realized it um and when he got diagnosed right they were like he can't be but he knows so much, right? right? Even at one something, like he knew his alphabet. He knows all his numbers. He can count. He uh, knows his shapes, his animals. He knew so much. Like his book, he has a big vocabulary. Like mm-hmm. he's, if anything, he's a baby genius, right? But right. they didn't understand that he's he lacked the um, the functional language, right? Mm-hmm. Or he wasn't social, right? They just they dismissed it. And they said, "Oh no!" If anything. Girl, let me tell you, they blamed us because remind 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 you, this was during COVID. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were like the most um, (laughs) ants about it. We were like, oh, we're not going nowhere. We're staying home. We don't want to catch it at the time, you know. Like, and so they were like, no, he lacks social skills because you guys had him cooped up in the Mm -hmm. house, so he didn't go anywhere. That's why he doesn't have any social skills. So they started like blaming, putting putting their blame on us to say, you know, he's socially awkward because you guys didn't take him out you know you guys were so chicken mm-hmm. about covid and you guys didn't take him out um but you know that had nothing to do with it so it, right. it was extremely frustrating um to kind of get them on board but what helped was um me pointing out evan's speech impediment right um and comparing him like i said to my niece and nephew who are much younger than him um simple things like waving i was like look you know like his cousin can wave you know, like my niece can wave, my nephew can wave. They're like four to six months younger than him. Look, like when all the kids are playing, they're actually chasing the crowd. And Evan's over here doing his own thing. He's in his own right. world. Um, and um, Evan can't really communicate, right? He can't communicate. He can't have that back and forth with us, even though, you know, at two. So I think for them, they started to to accept it when they had that one-on-one engagement with him where he would just kind of look around you he'll be like like my, my sister will come over and be like Evan did you have a good day well you know he doesn't know how to answer that so he's just kind of looking all over mm-hmm. the place doing all sorts of stuff until she was like okay you know um maybe there is something wrong with that right um my youngest sister was actually um more understanding because I think she's she's uh, she had I, I don't know she I think she was more aware or had more knowledge okay. of autism and what it was mm-hmm. so for her it was easier for, for her to, to accept but everyone else and especially girls let me tell you um the parents right mm-hmm. it, it even to this day right um both my parents are uh, 
my my dad's a pastor, my father-in-law's a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. So we're a Christian family. And to this day, they still, um, every now and then, my, my mom knows, right, that he's different, um, that he's neurodivergent. But at the same time, she still comes back and she'll say, no, did you hear the ball? Like, no, did you hear the ball? Hey, um, how about you, Sima? Right? And my in-law does the same thing too. You know? mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, even a year after, um, whenever you still hear stuff like that, right? But you know that he is, you know. Yeah. Before I get onto that, I wanted to ask you: mm-hmm. Has your BCBA or has the term hyperlexia come up at all in any any of this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because yes. I, f- I have a feeling Evan definitely is hyperlexic, right? Like he loves words. He loves learning the words. He's obsessed mm-hmm. with numbers and letters and all that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's come up. It's come up. And um, I, I looked into it too. And I was like, uh-huh. it, it, it's looking like it may be, right? right? It's looking like it may be. We'll just, you know, keep that at the back uh-huh. part for, for some time. Because, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think I learned how to read until I was much older. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a you gift, know? you know, and so it's how you look at it, right? It's a gift that he, you said he was speaking very clearly at one, right? And so it can, it can really throw people off. And I can totally see that they're like, he's saying full words clearly. There's no way there's anything wrong with him, you know? And so right. it, it's it's hard. And, I, and, and just so the listeners know, I'd said that in quotations, <laughs> that there's anything wrong with him, you know? Um, and yeah, so no, that's, that's, be confusing. Honestly, that's what made it so much more difficult for the parents parents to accept the diagnosis mm-hmm. because like I said my mom's like hey, you do mm-hmm. a lot. like for most people right they don't understand that what autism really is so they they automatically um associate that with him being you know handicapped of some of some form right I know he knows that, but yeah. he's lacking in other areas. <laughs> right. And like you said, that back and forth conversation piece, right? Like, generally, they look at you and say hi back, but he wasn't doing that, right? And you had to right. actually teach that, right? Whereas yes. he learned on his own letters and words, but then it's like, in one area, but this social aspect, no clue. Could not do Completely it. Completely lacking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yes. So then, Mal, we, I know we've had this conversation in within our group, and I, I keep going at it because I'm like, wow, one day I hope we can come up with the word or not. I don't know. Let's. Oh, uh, yeah. We need to find a general consensus. But do you feel like um, that the lack of a Hmong word for autism makes it difficult uh, to be as precise as possible when you're talking to the older generation about Katamitomo autism, and then they're like, and then so you go, okay, now I have to explain it in more words, and then I have to explain it in mom words. Like, just the example we yeah. said now, like, yes, it's a uh, you know, numbers, letters, he can do all that, but you, he cannot have a a full-on conversation, right, about a topic that he likes. Or maybe he does, but that's the only topic he can talk about, right? Right, <laughs> right. No, it, I think that's what makes it extremely difficult um, for older parents like my parents and my in-laws to accept or older relatives to accept, right, because there is no one word, right, to define mm-hmm. autism or there's no one word. Um, and, and for Hmong words in general, like if we want to explain something um, to our parents and Hmong, it's kind of like 
instead of defining it, you're kind of describing it right in a whole paragraph, right? Yes. Um, Using a lot of examples. That's why <laughs> it's a lot of examples. But but then this is what this is what I've um you know uh, I've gotten from pa- my parents too, right? And they're like, oh, and artistic law. I was like, no, not necessarily. Right. Um, or like they'll say, oh, it's like, no, like for them, it's so hard for them to mm-hmm. grasp that, you know, the spectrum is so broad, right? Yes. That your child can fall anywhere on the spectrum and not every autistic child have the same, would have the same characteristics. Mm-hmm. So for our older generations, it's so hard for them to, but for them, it needs to be something visible. Yes. Right. It needs to be something right. visible for them to say, oh, new, new cell because of this. Like there's mm-hmm. a, there's that one visible deficit that they can pinpoint and say, that's what's wrong with my child or, or with your child. Right. Versus like for Evan, he looks completely normal. Right. If you didn't talk to him, you, if you just saw him at a glance, he's just acting like a regular toddler. Right. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four year old. But when you, it's that personal engagement when right. you start to realize, oh, he's different. You know, like mm-hmm. he's no um, but like parents and our elders in the home community, it's so hard to explain to them because we don't have a word. And then there are so many characteristics that you have to describe, but at the same time, just because they're that way, um, you know, they're not autistic. We have, we have a child, um, in our church who, who, as a young, as a young kid, um, he has like developmental delays. So he wasn't talking. He wasn't, he was very aggressive. Um, like really just straight gibberish, right? So there was mm-hmm. some type of development delay. So when we got the diagnosis, my mom was like, oh, like, is he autistic too? Mm-hmm. Right? And now that that child is much older, I'm like, no, mom, he's not autistic. He just has some developmental delays because um, these are some of the differences. So she might move. Like and I have to point out, like, oh, but he likes, you know, he he can communicate now. Okay. You know, he can speak in full sentences. He engages mm-hmm. with his sisters and his cousins, and he's he does all that. But academically, he's just a little bit behind, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not he's not autistic, right? Some characteristics are the same, like they may be similar, but that doesn't make him autistic. And so my mom's just like, hey, what you follow me all, you know? Hey, John Evans, only new. This is name. And I was like, no, but he's not. Mm-hmm. So it's just really frustrating, and it makes it so hard to, um, you know, tell our our elders about uh, autism and what it really is. Right, and I hope that we can continue to have these conversations within all of our, you know, mom communities. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. my mission is just to normalize the conversations first of all, and then we can dive mm-hmm. deeper and be like, what is autism? What does it look like? Right. What does it mean? You know, but we are not even scratching right. the surface yet, right? So mm-hmm. you keep explaining in your best way. <laughs> You're doing a great job. The best and- way I know how. <laughs> being so patient. And it is hard because uh, I would say that it is black and white, but then so much gray at the same time. I mean, can you imagine? Right. Because right? you're saying mm-hmm. they don't make eye contact, but wait, these guys do. Wait. And then they, they may or may not yeah. stem. Uh, they may or may not perseverate on things, right? So then you're going, wait, right. checkboxes here, but not really what is going on. So, um, yeah, it, it does make it difficult. Um, 
So my next question for you, Mel, is I know we talk about um, autism awareness and acceptance in the mom community, right? So Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to parents who suspect their child may be autistic? You know, honestly, um, I would say to parents, if you have any suspicion at all, um, it doesn't hurt to get evaluated, get your child evaluated, right? Um, There's no harm in that. If If your child is not autistic, he's not autistic. Right. Uh, despite, you know, him not meeting milestones or having certain characteristics that are very similar to it. If he's not, he's not. Right. Um, but have a professional um, evaluate him and get the diagnosis and start therapy as soon as possible, because um, early intervention is key. And I can honestly say that I saw it with my child. Right? Um, I've seen it with my child and I see it with other kids who now, you know, now that my child is autistic and I talk about it, then I'm I'm learning that I know people who have kids who are autistic. They just never spoke about it. Because like you said, um, it's not normalized in our community. Mm -hmm. And there's a stigma, right, in in being autistic. And people don't want to, I guess, um, advertise their children or talk about their children because you know every child is precious to you know their parents so they don't want to talk about it but now that I talk about it you know I'm learning oh well my cousin's kid is autistic mm-hmm. um, you know oh, I have multiple cousins who have autistic kids you know and or my friend's kid you know is autistic but I never knew about it right um and then and just just comparing my child to the ones who never received a diagnosis because the parents are in denial, um, you know, they're struggling, you know, in grade mm-hmm. school, um, and yet they refuse to get the child evaluated, you know. And I just think that you, in delaying the process and in, in being in denial, right, it, it doesn't help your it, it doesn't help your child at all, right? It's counterintuitive. Uh, so you you want to be able to. Um, find support for your child. So I think that for parents, you know, if you have any suspicions at all, you know, it doesn't hurt, right? And that's one thing. Another thing is, um, if to parents, right? Parents, if there are other people like family members, like whether it be a sibling, aunt, uncle, relative, if they suspect that your child is autistic, that because he or she exhibits some characteristics or behaviors, right? of autism um you know don't be too quick to be defensive or offended right because i think that it takes a lot for someone who cares about your child to observe your child and bring their concerns to you right a lot of times i hear people um get offended there as soon as somebody says hey you know what your your child's a little bit different like do you think you know that he could mm-hmm. be autistic and the parent the receiving parents just like no there's nothing wrong with my child you know as a parent you never want anybody to speak badly of your child right um right. so i can see and i can understand how you know parents can have their defense walls up but at the same time if you know there are certain characteristics and you know your child is uh, exhibiting some you know some of those characteristics and a relative should bring it to you i think you know be a little bit more receptive consider it you know take off your um parental lenses right and put on some impartial lenses and say hey you know what let me observe my child and see um and see about it and do your own research you know do your own research and and see if, you know, you need to take your child in to get evaluated. Um, 
you know, I, I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of stories and I hear a lot of like feedback because like I said, for the people that are close to me, I'm very open and transparent about our journey. Um, and it's going to be a long journey, right? But from early noticing, you know, signs to getting him diagnosis to uh, getting the services that he needs, right? I'm, I'm very open and transparent. I'll share with whoever that talks to me about it or asks me about it. And they, they always tell me, well, you know what? I have a relative who I believe. You know, I believe his child is autistic, but they, they, they won't do anything about it. They think he's just acting normal, but you know, there are so many red flags and the parents just won't do anything about it, you know? And I think, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor to diagnose anybody, right? But if more than one person or if anybody comes to you about it, I would just say, be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah, there's so many red flags, and just be a little bit more open-minded. That 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 would be my advice to um, you know, to to my to to parents out there because my concern is that um, they are either in denial for too long, or they know their child is autistic, but they're not doing anything about it to to seek help. Right? Um, that just delays the process because there are so many services out there that can help support your child and and help your child. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say to to parents. I'm just curious to know, like right. your parents, um, is that where the the uh, thinking is that the diagnosis or just the not understanding and um, being aware or not knowing what it fully entails? You know, I, I think it's a combination of the two, right? Okay. Uh, it's that you don't want the diagnosis to follow. You don't want the stigma, right? Sure. Uh, or, uh, attached to your child. And then at the same time, it's not knowing. Right. right. It's just, um, you know, not knowing what autism is and mm -hmm. not understanding that there's hope there, right? Right. But I think the fear is just, I don't think as a, as a parent, now I can say, you you want your 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 child to be as normal as can be, and if he's any different, um, I think that's what makes it hard for people to accept. Um, I, I think for me it was very different. As soon as I realized it, there was no time. Like for me, I felt like, oh yes, I went through a grieving process because that was me accepting, right? I accept yeah. I accepted it automatically yeah. even before the diagnosis, right? Yeah. By the time we got the diagnosis, I was like, yeah, I already knew. You know, but mm -hmm. when I first realized it, I went through a grieving process because I was yeah. accepting it already. Yeah. Okay, you know, he is, he's going to be different. I just shift gears really quickly yes. because, you know, throughout all my research, every, everything and everyone was saying early intervention, early intervention, right? Yes. Whatever early intervention meant, I had no idea, but I knew I needed to do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, you know, it's it's a lot of that that grieving process. You know, like I said, every now and then you still go through. Like my husband, he's so funny because he he eats ice cream year round, right? Uh -huh. And Evan does not eat anything cold. He does not drink anything mm -hmm. cold. The only thing he'll drink is milk. And he is so heartbroken that his child does not <laughs> like ice cream like him. Little stuff like that. You know, like he goes through those small realization. He he'll come to yeah. me and he'll say. I'm so heartbroken. My son doesn't like ice cream the way I do. Like, he just doesn't love it. Yeah. Like, not everybody loves ice cream like me, you know? <laughs> like, it's okay. Or, like, his small realizations, like, you know, he's never going to play football with me. I said, no, he's not. He may not be able to play football with you, but there are other things that you can do with him, you know? Yeah. So, um, little things like that um, it is hard to accept. So, um, 
but at the same time, you know, like he's he's so great in other areas that you know, yeah. focus on the positive, you know, like but you know, he's doing so well here, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to say to other parents. Yeah, I just wish that everyone would um would just as soon as they know, you know, start looking for help because it, it can help. You know, like I, I saw it with my own I saw it with my own son. You know, yes. ABA has been a tremendous help. Like it has been a tool that has helped shape my son to 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 be you know who he is today and to 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 have the growth that that we see. You know, he's thriving. I think that as we put more information out there and people are like, oh, that's what I have to do. Okay. Somebody do all it, right? Because I think that's also that fear part we talked about. Like, yeah, let's all it before. They're like, it's unknown, unchartered territory. How do I navigate yeah. that? Like, who do mm-hmm. I even call? Who do I talk to? Right. Um, and also, you know, um, I would say, even, you know, those of us who have the resources or don't have the resources, you know, like it's still the same struggle of going, what is this that we're dealing with? How do we, what, how do we find a solution? Who do we talk to, right. you know, no matter right. how uh, resource-based you are, you know? Um, and so, you know, my last question for you, Mal, and I, I'm really excited to hopefully uh, feel like I could be part of your journey and, and kind of help. Not <laughs> oh, help you, 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 you are helping yourself, girl. You are doing, you don't need my help at all, but I just want to be kind of like a cheerleader for you as you and Evan and your family, really. It's not an Evan-only journey. It's the whole family, right? Um, everybody's impacted by it. But like, what is your hope for your son as he navigates elementary school in the upcoming years? And honestly, and I say this all the time, whenever I treatment plan, I look at your child and I go, oh, he's four. But in the back of my mind, I'm already treatment planning for when Evan is 40. How do we set him up for success for when he's 40, right? So like, what are your hopes and dreams for him now? I don't think that they have changed. They're probably still the same, but you're re- you're realizing, ooh, a different, you know, a lot more uh, things we need to put in place to help him grow and be successful. Right, a lot more right? preparing and planning, right? It has yes. a lot to do with that. Like, I know, like, the school year just started for him for pre-K, right? And like I said previously, he's enrolled in a private pre-K program where his RBT is with him daily, providing ABA services, right? But the ultimate goal of this year is to see if we can kind of fade her out, right, mm-hmm. once he starts exhibiting uh, more independence. Um, that's the goal this year so that maybe he can transition to kindergarten um, without the help of an aide, right, or without mm-hmm. the help of his RBT. Yeah. Um, that That's our goal right now, but I'm already having to think 10 steps ahead and say, oh, crap, like this is a private pre-K program. It's at a church, right? So they only do, um, you know, daycare up to preschool. That's it. Like mm-hmm. you still have to find out where is he going to be enrolled for kindergarten and the next grades, right? Yeah. So um, I'm already looking into schools and preparing mm-hmm. and trying to submit applications or get the applications ready and, and uh, be ready come January. Right. I have to yeah. plan like months in advance compared to other parents where they're just like, oh, we live in this district. They're going to go here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case for my kid. Right. So for this year, if he doesn't, um, if he if he doesn't show that he can be independent. Right. We're going to have to continue with the private school route which means I'll be paying tuition until he goes off to college. <laughs> but, but for us, it, it's okay because it's an investment in my child, right? right. So, um, you know, my hope, my, my hope is for my child to 
gain that independence, be able to be okay by himself, be attentive, um, be able to assimilate into a general classroom, learn, um, mm-hmm. and 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 really just to excel academically. Mm-hmm. Right? And th- th- that's what I'm hoping for for my child. But I also have to be um, cognizant of the fact that you know he is who he is. Right. He is who he is. He has, um, you know, some challenges that that requires support. And like I said, um, if he can't, then we'll have to take him private school. Out. But if but if he, he can get into uh, public school, great. Um, but I will tell you that um, we will continue with ABA for as long as we can. And I've been saying mm-hmm. this. I even say this on the Othal page, right? I want him to get as much ABA therapy as he can, as possible. Like, I don't know at what age they stop, right? You tell me. You're you're the expert in the field. Never, um, as long as you have funders. <laughs> for for as long as our insurance mm-hmm. company will cover mm-hmm. it for him, he's going to continue with ABA, especially these pivotal years, right? While he's mm-hmm. still young and he, he's still moldable. Um, I want him to continue with ABA so that later on, he will be fine without it. Right? He won't need the assistance. He won't need the support anymore. That has been my approach from day one, and I'm still sticking to that. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, hopefully, you know, in the first few years, you know, maybe this year we might be able to fade her out. Yeah. If not, then he'll continue until he doesn't yeah. need ABA anymore. Yeah. ABA changes as well, how it looks, you know, what they focus mm-hmm. on. And, and it's just so individualized. And that's the beauty of ABA that it's all about Evan right it's like all about his progress you know what he needs um we can put things on hold introduce new things or you know what oh he's got it speed track you know uh to the next thing right and then as he becomes a teenager or as he now he's a toddler as he becomes you know elementary middle school age he might focus more on daily living skills if that's a something that he's not you know showing um strength in and then you know as he gets older you know social skills right so it evolves and changes too it doesn't say the same they won't always be working on eye contact right or trying sandwiches you know or they might be i don't know (laughs) so yeah you know you're you're right right it's so individualized because you know my my son is the only is the only kiddo from the Mm -hmm. clinic that's going off to pre-k that still has the rbt with them most of the kiddos whenever they transition Mm -hmm. um they're I hate I hate to say it like this, but they just get thrown to public school, um, mm. to the public school, right. you know, without the aid, without support. And some of them, um, you know, I, I had a parent who came back, you know, and I saw her and I was like, hey, I thought, you know, your kid graduated. And she was like, um, he did graduate, but he's having so much, so much issues that we brought him back. Mm-hmm. And he's going to stay here because in North Carolina, you, your child can actually, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have to go to school until they're seven years old. Right. And yes. What she told me was, my my kid's gonna stay here until mm-hmm. seven, mm-hmm. just because you know this is what my kid needs. So every right. child, right? Every mm-hmm. plan is individualized based on you know the child's needs. So um, for Evan, you know his RBT um, is with him at school, versus everyone is is. Right. So I really like that about ABA. And like you said, it evolves, right? It changes mm-hmm. um, once he reaches a goal, which is like, yay, we're so happy. There's small little wins. Okay, what's the next goal? Like, yeah. what, what else can we work on next, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's always room for improvement. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, Mal, thank you for allowing me to be a cheerleader for you guys and a, a resource and just, you know, know that I'm here for you. And thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the listeners. And I hope that it will hopefully, you know, um, change perspectives that maybe, you know, we're not um, on the path of uh, child you know, led and child driven, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's best for them. And, um, any questions, I'm sure Mal would be happy to, uh, field any of those questions just based on your experience. And so I just appreciate you having this conversation with me because I I wonder if we just need to talk louder, speak louder, be more forthcoming. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, put this more out there. And so, um, and, you know, I've shared this before. It's, it's always, um, surprising to me and a little unsettling when I I meet new parents and they're like we had no clue we didn't know and it can happen to anybody yeah. right like it would it was you right where you were like I didn't yes. know about autism and you had to learn it from ground zero and I get to hear and so I'm just really um happy to have been able to reconnect with you and thank you for sharing your journey with me yes always and anytime thank you for your guidance yeah thank you and Mary you guys have done so uh so much and just you know just what about in general too, right? Today's just having a to talk about it. Um, so I appreciate it. And it was an honor to be a guest on your show. Um, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that we were able to reconnect again. Yes. We'll chat soon. All right. Thank okay. you. Uh-huh.